What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jake. And welcome back, guys. Uh, the second half of the season has officially began. It began Wednesday night. Um, I would say the last time we t- spoke with you, we had Christo Saltis on, um, the Greek reporter. Uh, I think a lot of you liked that episode. I know me and Jake did. I think Jake even went back and listened to it. I haven't. I never really listened to our podcast, but I think I might just as well because um, it was a. I really enjoyed that episode. I think it was our best episode um, to date. I think we said that uh, in our outro, and I think you can agree with that. Yeah, no doubt. I think. We've gotten pretty uh, positive stuff from that episode, and it was really fun to record, so I'm glad everyone enjoyed it, and we're going to keep moving. That's for sure. Um, From that, I want to go to a subject that is not so fun to talk about, and especially for me. um, On, when was it, Tuesday? Um, A video... A video surfaced of Myers Leonard. Uh, he does of the Miami Heat center of the Miami Heat. Um, he streams uh, Call of Duty video games, all of that. I think he's even or he was um, sponsored by Phase Clan, and I say was because they dropped him um, as he was playing a video game. He uh, said a anti-Semitic slur. Anti, if you don't know what anti-Semitic is, it's uh, against Jews. Um, the word that he said is basically the equivalent of the N word. Um, and some personal note, someone that is Jewish, um, it was it, it, it wasn't that it was that hurtful, or it was, but um, I know, Jake, you have some thoughts. I'm going to kind of go first here just to express what the feelings I had and, and still have. Um, many people don't know this word that he said, and I'm not even going to repeat it. It's not worth the time or my effort to start repeating this word. Um, and just because it's not used, it's not it's not like uh, as a someone who's Jewish, uh, I say that word a lot to anyone or anything, but it is the equivalent to uh, the N word or some other words, the F word um, and out the F word. I don't think maybe some people are thinking about, but other F words um, and to other cultures and religions and races, uh, that's the equivalent. And it's a word that was used back and, you know, like Nazis used it. And, and it's a very hateful word. And um, Myers Leonard did issue apology saying that he didn't know what the word meant and this and that. And excuse my language, I call bullshit on all of that. Um, this word, I know, Jake, you didn't even you've never even heard of the word. Many people uh, I had I was texting with um, never heard of the word. And it was like, what does that mean? Da, da, da. They had to search it up. Even my own like little brother was like, what does that mean? And I, you know, I explained it to some people. I, I, I think I explained it the same way. I just explained it right now to you, Jake. And um, that's why I, I call BS on that. He knew he knew exactly what the word is because it's not a common word. And if you know that word, especially if you're not Jewish, there there's some problems there. And I'm not ca- I'm not calling Myers Leonard a racist or anything. Um, but there's big issue. And I know he did get um, suspended for a week. Obviously, he's already out for the season due to injury. Um, but suspended suspended for the week and a fifty thousand dollar fine. Um, I thought that was pretty light compared to, you know, I think just a couple weeks ago, Donovan Mitchell got fined 50000 for arguing with an official. Um, so, yeah, listen, I, on my per, on my uh, Miami Sports Updates Instagram, I had people in my DMs calling me soft, this, that, for what he said. It's not cool. Um, not at all. Uh, the, 
it's not that again it's not that it offended me personally but it's that you those type of words are not to be used at all and if you're using them i don't care how you're using them again they're not they shouldn't be used uh, i know julian edelman the wide receiver that for the new england patriots is also jewish uh, put out a statement uh kind of like an open invitation an open discussion with myers leonard inviting him to shabbat dinner uh down in miami um and i thought that was really nice because as much as he uh had criticism uh, it was kind of constructive criticism and like hey i'll teach you about what you said i know uh, nba is also making myers leonard go to sensitivity training um and to me it just makes me wonder what else uh meyer says behind closed doors that we don't hear about i know um and and to me this this was a stupid comparison you know he didn't he stood for the flag and the bubble and everyone else kneeled i had no problem with that if you want to stand you stand if you want to kneel you kneel that's a different conversation for a different day but when when you start using words like this it makes you think what other words are you using uh when people are not hearing and obviously for him to use it he used it in a pretty correct way in a negative connotation way calling someone that that you know I don't know if he shot someone. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I only watched the video like once or twice because um, there was no reason to keep watching the video. The point, uh, the message came across to me loud and clear when that happened. And it's sad as someone who is a part of my favorite team and someone who I, re uh, and you know, I, I can still like him, I guess, but someone who I really admired um, on, on this Heat team who was a big leader of the team and stuff, uh, a big voice coming off the bench or not really playing as much in the past year. But um, I know uh, many members of the Heat and stuff, and especially uh, condemned his his um, words. And I think it's especially you know just taken back because the man who writes his checks, Mickey Harrison, the owner of the Heat, is Jewish. Um, obviously, the the commissioner of the league, Adam Silver, also Jewish. Um, so I, I think that he he I'm I, I'm hope. I'm hoping he can overcome these actions. Um, I know in today's day and age, cancel culture is a thing. It, I, I don't think it's some, no one should be canceled, but at the same time, uh, I hope he learns his lesson. And I think uh, all his sponsors dropped him for him playing video games. I think it's deservingly so. Um, maybe in the future, he can regain those sponsorships. But for right now, I think it's the appropriate punishment. I think the NBA could have came down a little harder on him, just like I said, because I mean, he's getting paid $9 million a year, uh, got fined $50,000. That's like me, me or you, Jake, getting fined, you know, 100 bucks. <laughs> you know, it's, it, as much as it, it's... Well, a, it's that's like, all... Just to interrupt you real quick, sorry, but that's all they could fine him uh, for an act like well, that underneath the CBA. Oh, I think that there needs to be further discussion then about what uh, needs to happen. And if, if that's all they could find him... Then, then, then a longer suspension. Obviously, he's not playing to begin with, so it's just he yeah, can't come in. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, it's it's something that, and and I, I we talked about it before the podcast that I just wanted to take the lead on this that I am Jewish, and I have no problem saying that. And, and listen, you know, anyone out there calling me soft right now, listening to this, go ahead. You know, I, I don't mind losing a podcast follower if you disagree with me. I said the same thing to some Instagram followers of mine, and I did lose some followers. I think it's ridiculous if if you if you if you're gonna take it that far and that you find it acceptable um, for someone to just say something like that. And um, that's pretty much where we, where I'm gonna end uh, my part of the conversation for this. You can go on, and then uh, we have so much more to get into that I'm excited to talk about for today's episode. Yeah.
my initial thoughts uh, on this is obviously it's very hurtful uh, comments and it's pretty hypocritical because you see that he stood for uh, the anthem in the bubble um, when all the injustices related to African-Americans were going on. Um, and he says that he's for everyone, but then he says this word in which he actually paused before he said it. So there was obviously some thought that went into it. That's um, something that I forgot to that, that made it even worse. And, and I totally forgot that he even did that, but good point, good pointing that out. Yeah. So he did, um, he did a uh, pause before that statement or that, or that word. Um, and my exact thoughts are really going to be I stand for with the African-Americans uh, during the bubble. It's really we have to be for each other and we have to stand for everyone. I mean, we Ryan and I were on here. Ryan's Jewish. I'm not. But still, we were both on here, you know, supporting the African-Americans. Um, and of course, that's ongoing. But even before when it first started in June with George Floyd, we were all on board uh, with, with what the NBA was doing and whatnot. And I think that, you know, we need to be for everyone. I think uh, UD pointed it out. He even said, right is right and wrong is wrong. I think that's something that needs to be um, echoed to everyone that is listening to this pod. And uh, I think that that's a very important statement that, you know, we need to uphold and be truthful to that. Um, and I think it just doesn't help Meyer's case that in not only the NBA commissioner, but the uh, former NBA commissioner, David Stern was Jewish and even Mickey Harrison, uh, the owner is so. You know, all those things, that I, it's definitely not helping his case in terms of his career, but also um, his moral values. I don't think it, it helps uh, in contradicting those, um, you know, saying that he's for everyone and, and all that other stuff. So uh, I think that it's a very uh, hurtful uh, action. And uh, I think the NBA has, has done what they can do. Uh, could there be more done? Yes. But, you know, it is what it is. And again, I think that it's, it's a very terrible uh, word that he said. Yeah. Um, with that being said, uh, I do want to move on now. It's kind of a weird transition there um, from such a topic like that. Um, let's talk about All-Star Weekend. It was this past weekend or a week ago. Um, everything happened in one night, not the normal All-Star Weekend where, you know, it's kind of a uh, – like the name, a whole weekend event. Normally Friday you have the Rising Stars game with the Celebrity Game. Saturday you have NBA Saturday Night with the Slam Dunk Competition, Skills Challenge, and Three Point. And then Sunday you have the game. Um, it was all on a Sunday night in Atlanta. Uh, before the game you did have the Skills Competition and the Three Point Competition. Skills Competition was run by DeMontis Bonus. I think it's every year now for the past couple of years a, uh, a big has uh, like either a power forward or as a center has won the skills competition. It was between him and uh, Nikolai Vucevic for the final. Um, the three-point competition, Steph Curry won. He was, I mean, the man was, the whole night, including the All-Star game, was just not human. Uh, He's the real the All-Star can, MVP, yeah. in my opinion, of, of everything. I thought that for a while. I, I don't have a problem with Giannis winning it, but you are, you have a point. Um, and then the dunk contest, I'll be honest, I, if you follow us on Twitter at uh, underscore ATL podcast underscore, um, I put out some gifts and stuff. It, it kind of put me to sleep, the, the slam dunk. No disrespect to uh, Anthony Simons, uh, uh, Cassius 
Stanley and who was uh, Obi Toppin. How can I forget who won? Um, yeah, Caster Stanley, I think, got robbed um, his first dunk. I think they scored it like a 44 or something. It was definitely better than that. But I don't even want to take too much time on the dunk contest. It, it wasn't it, obviously, from past years. Uh, I know last year you had Aaron Gordon, uh, Derek Jones Jr. A couple years before that, you had Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon. Uh, just not a great dunk contest, only three participants. Uh, I think that three-point contest was really fun. You had Mike Conley. Uh, congrats to him, first-time All-Star, also per- participated in the three-point contest. He was great. Steph Curry, obviously, it kind of was like you knew Steph was going to win. You wanted to see if anyone could challenge him, and it came close, kind of. Not really. Steph, obviously, uh, you know, winning on the last shot of his la- of his last round, but you kind of figured that he would make you know make his shots to win. Um, and then the All-Star game itself was kind of a blowout. Uh, nothing real exciting for me. Um, what were your takeaways on, on the All-Star game and the whole uh, night, if you even watched it all? I know I watched. I didn't really have anything else to watch or um, do that night. But did you watch, and w- what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I watched the second half mainly, but the first half I watched highlights and clips. Um, for me, the first half, even looking at highlights, looked um, – more interesting than the second and I know that sounds kind of crazy considering that you have the dunk contest in the all-star game but really the dunk contest to be honest one of my friends had to remind me that the dunk contest was uh, at halftime because I thought it already passed um and that's kind of it's kind of crazy to think how it was all uh condensed into one night uh usually like you said it's it's across three nights and they they uh, they spread it out evenly so that it, it's it's enjoyable and each can be treated as separate and that's kind of what took into effect this past uh, uh, what was it like a week and a half ago now or whatever it was or this past weekend um, and so it was kind of just it seemed a little bit uh, really long and and you know I think that's fair to say considering that you know it's from like five thirty all the way to. 536 all the way to like 11 1130 so I think that the like I said the second half was a lot more um inter- or not not as entertaining as the first half just because Steph Curry put on a show in that three-point contest and I think that was definitely um the highlight of the night there um and then like I said the dunk contest for me that's kind of something that I want to point out here because there's no fans but also just there wasn't a whole lot of flair in the dunks. It seemed like it was very basic. I think Cash is Stanley, Stanley's first dunk um, should have been ranked higher uh, than what he actually got. And then you look at, I think Anthony Simons had a really good dunk uh, where he almost, the, the one that he, he got to win it, which is where he, he almost kissed the rim. If he would have kissed the rim, it would have definitely broke the internet, as you know Kenny had said. But... Other than that, I think looking at it from face value, you saw guys that, yeah, I mean, they had the potential to maybe be better than what people thought. But ultimately, it was just really basic dunks um, and nothing too crazy, along with no fans. And it was just kind of a letdown, in my opinion, even though you could say that before. But still, um, looking at the aftermath of that, I just didn't think it was all that impressing. And then the All Star game itself, I think. I mean, we talk about bombs away from three. Damon stuff really just putting 
on the show, I think either of them could have won MVP. But when you look at Giannis, 35 points, 16 for 16, uh, and he was pretty much doing everything. I mean, he was even shooting uh, some threes, uh, and once one of them banked in, he he put a move. I think it was on like Zach Levine. I think I'm not I'm not positive that if that's correct or not. But uh, all in all, I think it was an interesting All Star weekend. Definitely one for the books in terms of just how interesting it was with the whole situation with the pandemic and the fact that not only were superstars unhappy about it being played and that's kind of what resulted in such a of a blowout of a game but also even we didn't, we didn't even uh mention that uh ben simmons and joel and, and b that could have spiraled into something uh really You're really totally right uh really really insane well let, let's touch on that real quick um ben, it came out i think the morning of um, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons were, they got a haircut. They were at a barber in Philadelphia. They got a haircut right before All-Star Weekend. Normally everyone does because they want to look as their best possible. Because All-Star Weekend, I mean, you can compare it almost to like Super Bowl Weekend in the NFL uh, with the magnitude and all the celebrities and everything, wherever it is. Uh, people are attracted to it and normally travel to it. Um, so even though this weekend, this All-Star Weekend was different, they still wanted to get a fresh cut. Um, they were unmasked, I guess, when they were getting their haircut. Their barber tested positive. Um, thankfully, they had the, you know, they were courteous enough to inform the league because they could have really just said nothing and kept going. But they informed the league saying, hey, um, we were around someone who tested positive. And for that, I think they're still in quarantine or maybe they get out today. Um, so and luckily they had they weren't in contact with anyone else. Because when you think, and I think that was a lot of people's main issue or concern, was you have the 24 best players in the world all together. One person gets it, and, and you're putting a lot of people in jeopardy. Luckily, they didn't see anyone else. It was just the two of them together, including their coach who coached the game. They, he, they didn't have any contact with him. So um, what were your thoughts on that, and, and what could have escalated and looked, Adam Silver looked really bad? What were your thoughts on the whole uh, ordeal there? Yeah, I've talked about, we've said how great Adam Silver is. I don't really need to reiterate that with the bubble. But since then, it's sort of been just pushing the envelope in ter- terms of how far can we go until the league potentially spirals out of control. And last weekend was a key example of just how much they were trying to uh, push for that all-star game and because of revenue. And even Adam Silver said it, it's the economic uh the economic factor that's really driving that all-star weekend from happening. Um, otherwise it's, it's not going to happen. So I think if they, like you said, it's, I mean, I kind of have the similar thoughts. What if 24 of the best players get it, then they go back to their markets. Um, because initially you have all those players coming from different markets, different areas across the country. Um, they're coming to one spot, but yeah, they're coming from everywhere. So uh, there's really no sort of control you can have over the virus. Uh, And then that'll spread. um, And eventually when they go back to their, their markets and their teams, um, then that will multiply into even more um, with, you know, 15 to 17 players or really 17 players on each team. Um, And that'll escalate into something even more. So, yeah, I thought that it was definitely uh, the NBA definitely dodged a bullet, but again, it's it's just 
it talks about really or looks at the the riskiness of of everything that could have went down last weekend. Yeah, um, I think something else to talk about, and I think you know the NBA dodged a bullet. Is I know there was a report. I think like 150 players uh, went down to Miami. Um, you and I live in Miami. You know when we're not in school, both of us know the virus kind of never existed in Miami, or that's what people want to think, or in Florida especially. So I think so far no one turned out positive. Uh, I know the NBA came out with a report. I think like one or two players came out positive, but that was before the All-Star break. No one since the All-Star break has tested positive, thank God. Um, as of we know right now, uh, obviously games are starting again. So, um, yeah, overall I think they dodged a bullet in a lot of ways for All-Star weekend, and I think we both agreed it was – not necessary to play the game, but both sides agreed to it. No matter if the players were happy or not, their union agreed to it. And, you know, that was a whole conversation we had. Um, I want to turn my attention now to something that literally, this always happens uh, every time we record an episode, as soon as we say bye to you guys, news breaks, and we have to wait until the following week. I mean, we could try to add it, but it just always happens. Um, Blake Griffin, after getting bought out by the Detroit Pistons, signed a deal with, uh, like expected, the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I'll be honest, I mean, people are making this out, and and some people are, I mean, I I don't understand it. They're making this out to be like a super team. The last time I saw Blake Griffin play, it was this season, and and he just looks like another player, NBA player. Um, What are your thoughts on this? How how much better does the Nets get, I guess? Uh, do they get worse? I, I mean, that's kind of a stupid question. Do they get worse? I think if you add a, you know, Blake Griffin, you're gonna get maybe some better. Do they even get better at all? Thoughts on the situation? Yeah, I think they get a little bit better when you're adding a guy like Blake Griffin, uh, who now relies heavily on his three point shot. I mean, taking a look at his stats real quick. I mean, he's shooting 31 percent from three. Um, He's taking a lot more threes um, within the past few years. Obviously, last year was um, he was banged up by injury. Um, the season before, he was an all-star. But I think with, with Blake Griffin, uh, let me just point this out real quick. The, the Pistons got two guys, or excuse me, the Nets got two guys from the Pistons and Bruce Brown and Blake Griffin who can have beneficial um, effects to this, to this Nets team for virtually nothing. Um, because obviously Blake with the buyout and then Bruce Brown was like a second uh, and Musa. So uh, they literally got two guys that are going to be very impactful players come the postseason um, for nothing. So um, hats off to Sean Marks for that. But I think with Blake Griffin, he brings, here's the thing with this Nets team, you, the, the replacement of Jared Allen to replace his defense, that's going to be very hard to come by in this league. Now, to get a guy like Blake Griffin, you really needed a big, a big body. That's really all you needed if you're, if you're the Brooklyn Nets. Now, still, can they add some guys? Yes. It seems like every free agent now is going to want to go to the Nets. We'll talk about P.J. Tucker wants to go to the Nets. Wouldn't be surprised if LaMarcus Aldridge wants to go to the Nets. But they really just need a big body in the, in the front court. And when you're Blake Griffin, yes, you're coming off the injury um, and – you know, you're having an okay season, you know, not your greatest season, obviously, but um, I think that now, again, there, there's a stat that it, that was like, he hasn't dunked the ball in like two, two seasons. I don't know if you heard that said or not, Ryan, but he has 
and dunked a ball. Yeah, for a guy that, that was, was going to be one of my main points, no matter how stupid it sounds. Since two thousand, I mean, I. I don't know if you want, I mean, obviously I only watched, uh, I mean, there's really no reason to watch Detroit Pistons basketball, no offense. Um, but if there was one thing we got right, and I remember I was even arguing with you at the beginning of the season, you had them higher in your rankings than I did, and it wasn't even that high. Um, I think combined we had them at like 28, but I said at the beginning of the season, there was no reason to watch. But when they did play the Heat in two games, I mean, Blake Griffin was just, they had Duncan Robinson on Blake Griffin. If you know anything about Duncan Robinson's defense, a fly could get past Duncan Robinson and, and Blake Griffin just totally, I mean, just couldn't do anything. Um, so I know a, a lot of heat fans wanted Blake Griffin on the heat. I, I was okay with them not getting him. Right. So as far as Blake Griffin on the nets though, I think that they just need the body. They have him. And now what they're expecting from, him, and this is great news for Blake Griffin being the winner here, going to a bigger market, in the nets and having to play for a team that is going to be championship favorites is that you don't have to be the primary guy. You were asked to do that with the Pistons. If you went to the Knicks, for example, you'd be asked, you'd ask to be uh, the first or second guy behind Randall or right up there with him or really the second guy. But here you don't have to be the first or second guy here. You could be the fourth guy, the fifth guy. You don't have to be, that guy. And I think that's very beneficial for him. Uh, he provides uh, three-point shooting, um, as that's how his game is has transformed um, from his earlier years uh, with the Clippers. Um, and I think that, look, if you're not being asked to do that much, I think it's a plus to get him on a minimum. Uh, and for virtually nothing, I think it's a, it's, it's a win for the Nets. And it'll add little little effect, but you know, not too much just because uh, of the the stat line and the production he's putting up uh, currently. Um, well, I have to say this because the only way that Blake Griffin can be a major impact is if he really just didn't want to play for the Pistons this season and he kind of put on to lesser effect the James Harden, where it's just like everyone thought James Harden was going to be ter- you know not as good and look what even though they're two different players at this stages of their career, um, we can have that. Um, I think it's funny, Laker fans all of a sudden, you know, oh, look what you guys have to do just to beat LeBron when Laker fans wanted Blake Griffin just 12 minutes earlier. Um, <laughs> I found that funny. Um, I, I don't think, I, I think it's more the name than the what the actual impact he's going to put on the floor. I know he still hasn't played with the team. Uh, they had their first game back from the All-Star break yesterday, and uh, he was out. He said to reporters that since he hasn't played in like three weeks, um, he wants to get his conditioning up a little farther before he gets back on the court, which I can understand. Um, it should be interesting. I know, I, I believe he would probably start for them. Um, no, he's and, he's planning to be a backup. Oh, back. Okay, okay. A small bad. small ball center. That's what they. Okay. That's what I. Remember. Um, that'd be interesting then, because he'll probably be the vocal point of the second unit, if I had a guess. Uh, well, I wouldn't say the vocal point, but he'll he'll be a key component of that second unit. Um, It'll be interesting to see. To do I think it makes them? Oh my! Like this puts them over the top or something? No, not at all. I think he he's a nice add. He can provide some valuable minutes at times. I would like to see him get some of his bounce back. I mean, this is a guy who is known for his dunks. I mean, for putting pe- people on posters. I mean, literally, that's like 
slam dunk. I mean, all of this stuff. I mean, he was a great player besides that. But I mean, and just what was it, two, three years ago now, he was all NBA first team uh, with the when he first got traded to the Pistons. So um, obviously injuries have hampered his career. I hope that he can regain some of his form. And maybe now that he's happy to be in a place that is contending and he can possibly win a championship, uh, he'll get some motivation and, and regain some form. I think also it's pretty funny him and DeAndre Jordan teaming back up. They could win a championship before Chris Paul. Um, I find that the, the little storylines that, you know, I'm looking at are finding funny. Um, overall, though, I, I think that as big of a signing it is, I think it's more just the name than than the talent at this point in his career. Um, people are not, I mean, if he wins a championship, obviously, but people I don't know if will remember that Blake Griffin was on the Nets. Kind of reminds me of a, and Charles Barkley is much better, but Charles Barkley going to the Rockets at, at the end of his career, or Dwayne Wade and Cleveland, um, that type of impact where it's not much of an impact and people really won't remember that 20 years from now. Um, that's pretty much my thoughts on it. I want to go now, and you just mentioned it a couple minutes ago. Um, Marcus Aldridge and PJ Tucker, both respectively, uh, Aldridge on the Spurs, PJ Tucker on the Rockets, both have agreed with their teams that they will no longer play for their teams and just sit out uh, until further notice, basically, until um, kind of like the scenario that Blake Griffin had, and then the scenario that uh, Andre Drummond is going through right now, where they're just going to wait for a trade or the buyout market. Um, Aldridge, I know a lot, uh, you know, a, a stretch for obviously older, doesn't put up the production he once did. I know a lot of teams will be in line for him, including the Lakers. You mentioned even the Nets, because the Nets might just get everyone. Uh, the Heat, the Celtics, uh, even his old former team, the Trailblazers, uh, PJ Tucker, another team, uh, you know, kind of the same teams that are going to be in, in the in the same boat for him. Contenders, you know, uh, upper tier playoff teams, again, Lakers, Heat. Um, Celtics, uh, who else? I think even the Nuggets for P.J. Tucker are going to be interested. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I know Aldridge, I think for me, the biggest uh, key is he's on the last year of his deal, but his contract, how massive it is, $24 million for this year. Can a team match that? I know the asking price isn't as high. Uh, I know P.J. Tucker came out the other day. The Rockets are asking for Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson from the Heat. Good luck with that. Um, but for LaMarcus Aldridge, I think it's just matching contracts and who you want to give up because normally your higher paid players are your better played players, a uh, player, your better tier players. Um, where do you think either of them will end up if, or, you know, what, what, how do you think this all resolves? Yeah. So, and how much impact also, how, and also, sorry, how much impact can they have for a contending team? Right. So I, I've seen these two guys kind of being compared as we approach the trade deadline here. I do think that just because of the nature of Houston's front office, and we've seen this as Heat fans and maybe other fans of, of other teams have really seen it with with tr uh, proposed trades um, and trades that are rumored to, to have gone through Houston, that they asked for a pretty high price. So I think that P.J. Tucker... Um, it's going to be probably harder to get him just because of that factor. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge, now again, uh, P.J. Tucker is making, I should add that he's making less money than LaMarcus is. He's making $7, 8000000 million. Um, they're both expiring, though. So LaMarcus Aldridge um, is making 24. That's expiring, though, after this year, and so is P.J.'s. For me, the biggest thing is 
I think the obvious um, point is what are you looking for, defense or offense? Because LaMarcus Aldridge um, is your go-to guy on offense. Now I say go-to, and he's 35 years old, so he's getting up there. He can't be your go-to guy, but um, he can surely provide some offensive firepower. Now, P.J. Tucker provides – we've seen him provide somewhat of both, um, mainly the defensive side of the ball. This year he isn't shooting that well. And, again, maybe that has to do with, you know, being in Houston. I mean, he's kind of like the lone guy now along with, like, Eric Gordon of kind of the lasting pieces in Houston um, from, you know, the James Harden era type. Um, And so we've seen, uh, you know, his three-point production take a a slip. But as far as – I see LaMarcus going to – I don't know if I see him going to a contender or not. Um, I see PJ being more of the guy that you take as a contender just because he can do um, more things than LaMarcus can. Um, I think that um, he's that go-to hustle guy. He's the defensive monster that you need. Like, imagine a lineup, and I understand, like, the Heat may want, and I know I'm concentrating this on the Heat, but, yes, LaMarcus does provide – I don't know if he provides – he provides more of an upgrade – uh, and I say this with Olenek having two of his best games in a Miami Heat uniform um, against the Pelicans and then yesterday against the Magic. Um, but he has been shooting, LaMarcus has been shooting better than Kelly Olenek this season. Um, the problem is, I mean, they're both liabilities on the defensive end. So you kind of mix and match with that. But at, th- at this point, you kind of mix and match just because the Heat have been running the same thing and you want to try-, try something out new, maybe. Um, with PJ Tucker, you know, a defensive lineup you look at the bucks with pj tucker would be ridiculous you look at the heat with pj tucker i mean virtually a lot of teams could take a guy like pj tucker so really just weighing both of these guys i'd probably say if i'm a team in general i'd take pj tucker i feel like he he matches a lot of more teams uh rotations um than lamarcus aldridge does but at the end of the day um both are great players i think lamarcus uh it's kind of a signal for, for pop too. I don't know what they're going to do with uh, DeRozan. Cause we don't, again, we don't really know how much time pop has left. Um, and well, if they want to kind of, kind of go towards the younger uh, direction in terms of the age of their players. I don't think DeRozan will be on the move by the deadline. Uh, who was it? Chris no, last week. No, no, no. Who, yeah. Who mentioned, uh, I, I don't, cause I'm the Spurs saying, are still in the playoffs in the near future. Yeah, the Spurs. Oh yeah, they're doing good. I mean, yeah, they're doing good. This I think Aldridge is more of just a a you know he doesn't have as much use for them anymore. Uh, he's older and and also if he can go win a championship at this stage in his career, watch I think for Rudy Gay too to be on the move. I know teams are have a lot of interest in him, maybe even more than uh, Lamarcus. Um, I think for Lamarcus, a team I, to me a really interesting team would be the Trailblazers, just because he would reunite with Dame. Uh, you know, they need a four with Zach Collins being out, Nurkic still being out. I know Nurkic is supposed to come back within the next uh, couple weeks or even few games. Um, I, I really, I I would like to see that, I think, just as a feel-good story um, after him leaving there. And I know him and Dame, uh, you know, had a close relationship. or I don't know, maybe they still do. Um, I know people throw the Lakers in there. I feel like he's Marcus All, <laughs> or you know, maybe a slight upgrade from Marcus All. No, he he is a slight. He's an upgrade from Marcus All, but still, I, I don't see where that fit is um, for PJ Tucker. I think the team I think to watch for again the Heat. 
Um, I feel like the Heat are interested in, in bringing Michael Jordan from the Hornets. And they're, they're interested in everyone nowadays. Um, but uh, the Celtics are also another interesting team, even though I think that would be... Um, I don't know how much help that would bring in terms of the size, because he just doesn't bring size. He's an undersized center. They have Tristan Thompson, who's bigger than him. I think they LaMarcus would be more helpful in that, uh, even though he's, it's not like he's a big defensive presence. Um, yeah, I think both these players, they're going to they're gonna help um, a contending team. Whatever team they go to, they're going to have an impact just because you know they're they're not going to be asked to do a lot a lot but at the same time they're going to have a good role on the team um i think and going back to even blake griffin i think now the more that i'm talking about it i think even blake griffin can fit into this category where you know they'll have a specific role and they can thrive in that role if uh it's right for them um i think that it should be interesting with both of these players but i think especially lamarcus if teams are willing to trade for them because I think once the buyout market comes and they get bought out, it's going to be a free-for-all. And then it's going to be, you know, basically up to the player, even though still I think with the Spurs and the Marcus, they're going to work with him on where he kind of wants to go. Um, with PJ, I think it's kind of a different story because it's not like the Rockets and him are on the best of terms right now. Um, so I think overall uh, you're going to see – we talked with Christos last week, and he said um, – you know, it's not that he has inside information, just his personal opinion that there's not going to be much movement. I think there is, uh, I don't think major movement, not like a Bradley Beal, but I think just small moves. And I've been saying this now for weeks. It reminds me of a couple years ago um, after the, the Raptors got Kawhi, where just other teams in the East were making just small moves just to get better. You look at even the Heat last year um, and and the the Lakers also both making moves uh, the Lakers getting, what was it, Marcus Morris, um, and then the Heat getting Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala. Those are just quality role players that propelled them to where they got and, and meeting in the finals. And that's where I think these two players could definitely um, have that role for a team this year. Um, any last thoughts before we move on? No, it's, there's not much that I can really think of. Um, I think that... I'm not sure if this trade deadline, I think it's debatable um, on whether or not uh, we asked Christos uh, last episode whether it was going to be busy, quiet, uh, or just kind of like stationary, um, in which it, it wasn't really going in either direction. But um, but yeah, it, it should be interesting to see. I think a lot of teams, like I said, are going to be wanting to um, really buy because they want to... Uh, go up in the standing it's it's a very close race uh and i think that uh why not do something uh to increase your your team's chances of uh moving up in the standings now yeah um i want to go somewhere and i know jake we didn't even speak on this <laughs> to talk about it but I saw inside the NBA discussing it last night, and I thought it was a really interesting discussion real quick, and I know uh, neither of us really took notes for this. The Chris Paul MVP discussion. Uh, House of Highlights, I think, even just posted something asking as well. The inside guys had a really uh, heated discussion last night, um, which I thought everyone made good points on. Where are you on this? 
I don't even know if you saw any of this, but I, before we get to our last topic, I wanted to throw this in because I think this has the potential. If we, what depending on where we both feel in it, where do you feel on on obviously the the Suns second in the West? They've been rolling uh, a big factor due to Chris Paul, um, and some people do feel like he should be in that MVP discussion with Jokic, uh, LeBron, and Bede, and those guys. What what are your what is your position on it? Yeah, well, they're. Currently, they're 25 and 11, um, second best team in the Western Conference. And I think they're 17 and 3 in their past 20. I think it's something like that. Um, so they were rolling even before the All Star break. Um, and again, a lot of that has to do with Chris Paul. I think that in terms of the MP- MVP race, uh, he could be right up there with them. I, I don't know. Like I said, it's it's very hard to throw him in there just because. There's so much competition this year, I feel like, with uh, the centers, Jokic and Embiid, with Curry. Um, but again, I mean, Chris Paul can make a case. Um, I see him uh, in that race, uh, you know, come the end of this year when it's all said and done. Um, the Suns are on a roll. He's elevated Devin Booker. Um, talk about Devin Booker having a, a wingman like that and Chris Paul to, to give him the ball um, and roll with it. But again, uh, I think an impressive resume for, for Chris Paul, you know, and this is kind of just uh, the icing on the cake here in terms of his career. I think, again, every team that he goes to becomes better. You can look up the statistics for that. Every team that, even though OKC Thunder last year, not expected, even not even expected to be anything crazy, expected to be a lottery team, not making the playoffs they end up in the first round of the playoffs. So, and in a seven-game series where anything can can happen. So I think in terms of this year, um, it kind of just goes um, and backs up what I've said previously about Chris Paul. Whatever team he goes to, he's the best leader in the NBA. Uh, I'm not quoting that. Someone else did, and I'm stealing it, and I'm saying it here on the pod because – he truly is one of the best leaders, if not the best leader in the NBA. And again, I think that he does need to, uh, or he does deserve a lot more MVP praise for, for the season. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I don't think he has a shot to win at all. I know um, Charles Barkley was saying he, you know, in his eyes, he should be one of the top candidates. I don't know about that. I think that this MVP, I mean, you start looking down the line, then you can go Jimmy Butler with the impact he's had, uh, mm-hmm. Stephen Dame. Um, LeBron, even though I think his case, and we discussed this past few episodes, his case has gone yeah, down. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think MB, well, impact, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, just impact is a very loose term. I mean, there's so many, so many uh, players that can well, fit that description. Let so. me ask you this, because th- this was part of their discussion, um, was it, when, when your criteria, and, and this is what makes it so, uh, and this has been debated now for years, um, is does team success factor into that for you or what where does that stand i know for instance shaq he and it doesn't make sense but shaq says team success has nothing to do with the individual player um and you know charles barkley kenny you know i kind of agree with chuck and and kenny where even though you know it does factor in because if if your team's not good you're not obviously as valuable as someone who you know their team's getting 60 wins a year yeah, I think, and as soon as you say that, I kind of point my attention to Bradley Beal just with the struggles that the Wizards have had. They picked it up, but um, only slightly. They're still 
uh, I think like 12th in the Eastern Conference or something like that. So uh, he's averaging like 35 points a game uh, this year and, and they're not doing as well. So you can kind of look at that and be like, yeah, you know, team success does have something to do with it because if he's not even close to MVP conversation, he's having a career year. Um, so I think that, yes, team success does uh, play a part in it. Um, I think if you want to, if you want to weigh it and say, hey, this matters a certain amount of uh, percentage and this matters, you know, X amount of percentage, then you can do that. Um, and I think it's it's pretty even. But to say that it has no effect um, on the conversation is kind of uh, I'm not really buying that. So. Yeah, um, I, I have to agree with you. I think team success uh, is part of it, but um and and I think you got everything on the head. I just wanted to um, point that out uh, because I thought it was an interesting conversation that was being had. Um, let's move on now to our last topic of the day. The Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame announced 14 finalists for the class of 2021, um, headlined by uh, Chris Bosch, Paul Pierce, um, Chris Weber, who's back on the ballot, Again, obviously Chris Bosch again, he was on last year. Um, I think something that a testament, uh, Bill Russell, not as a player because he's already in, but as a coach is on the thing. Michael Cooper, who has been on the Hall of Fame ballot now for many years. And I think, well, I mean, we'll get into it, but I think it's overdue that he should be in. Um, who else? Uh, coach Rick, A- uh, coach Rick Edelman. Um, mm. for the uh, Tim Hardaway, I think the Timberwolves, the yeah, yeah, um, a whole bunch of people. Any names stick out to you that still aren't in the Hall of Fame that aren't first ballot? I know, for instance, Paul Pierce, this is his first year in, uh, eligible, and it seems like he'll be first ballot. But anyone else that you know is returning on the ballot that you look at and be like, hey, this person should already been been in, uh, a while ago. Man, you already know who I'm going to go with. He's been on the pod before. Tim, <laughs> Tim Hardaway. Yeah, I remember Tim we even Hardaway. asked him about this, and, and there's, there's circumstances that we never discussed with him just because out of respect that I think play um, a role as to why he's not on the uh, uh, in the Hall of Fame, even though maybe that shouldn't have anything to do with it. Um, I agree. Um, I also think, like I just mentioned, Michael Cooper – part of the Showtime Lakers, I think he got overshadowed. One of the players who got overshadowed by, you know, Kareem, Magic, James Worthy, guys mm-hmm. like that, I think he should be in. Chris Bosh, I don't know how he was in first ballot. Uh, I know Chris Bosh has been a topic conversation for a couple of weeks now due to other things and stupidity that people have. Um, well, I mean, I, just think about the, the overriding theme. I mean, Michael Cooper's a, a third-wheel guy, so is Chris Bosh. I mean, these are guys that, like you said, are overshadowed, and Really, if you place them hypothetically on their own squad and and um, kind of ride their careers out that way um, and let them sort of stockpile even more um, than they were originally, I think that um, they make their case even heavier. But being able to do it and have impact as third wheels on a, on a team, uh, it just says a lot more about your career and the impact that you had uh, in winning championships and, and collecting accolades. Yeah, I mean, and then, you know, two other players I really want to focus on is, uh, I didn't even mention Ben Wallace. 
Uh, I think his time is coming. Um, four-time Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year. I mean, just he was part of a team that was maybe the best defensive team of all time, the 2004 Pistons, uh, when they shocked the Lakers uh, at the end of the Laker at the end of the run of Shaq and Kobe. Um, I mean, just a. I mean, one of the greatest defensive players there has been in this game. Um, also, Chris Webber, who still hasn't made it in. And I think people forget this is not the NBA Hall of Fame. This is the Basketball Hall of Fame. So, I mean, when he went to the University of Michigan, I mean, the Fab Five, everyone knows who the Fab Five is. Um, Final Four appearances, first team All-American. Um, he was McDonald's All-American, All game MVP, um, Mr. Basketball in Michigan, Nays, uh, Naismith Prep Player of the Year, going back, I'm talking now high school. I mean, just everything he's accomplished in the NBA, being uh, all-star and, and all-NBA first-team honors in 2001. Um, so I think there's a lot of uh, good candidates. Obviously, not everyone will make it um, this year. Uh, but I think, I, and tell me if I'm wrong, I think Paul Pierce, um, Chris Bosh, I think Bill Russell as a coach is probably a lock. Um, I'm trying to see who else. Sadly, I don't think Tim Hardaway will make it, even though that, he's a finalist. That, yeah, that third guy, right. I'm not sure. Um, um but it, it it will definitely be a. Uh, I listen. All these guys are deserving, um, and and it'll be interesting to see. I think they announce it in a couple weeks. Who's going to actually make it? Uh, I will say this: if Chris Bosh doesn't make it this year, and this is not my heat biased, I don't know what the voters are waiting for. But then again, you look at someone like Chris Webber, who still hasn't made it, even though Chris Webber never won any championships. Um, what he's done so um that's basically it any last thoughts before we wrap this up yeah just for clarification it's may 16th uh when that uh oh, okay when the I know, uh, hall of fame announced uh i guess because i guess because last year's they never had the induction yet so they're putting it afterwards because i know normally i think maybe not maybe it is just finalists i think normally they do at final four weekend i thought they announce um who's getting in but maybe i'm confusing it with something else but may 16th so obviously we'll cover that uh when the time comes um and other than that where uh can they find us on social media jake and where can they listen to us obviously you've listened to us somewhere but other options that you have yeah so you guys can check us out on instagram at underscore on the league underscore Ryan has our Twitter handle, which I do not have uh, down at yet. Underscore, at underscore ATL podcast underscore. Yep. And then our TikTok at ATL podcast. That's it for our social medias. But remember, guys, we do this weekly every Saturday on Spotify, Apple Pods, and the Anchor app. Wherever you guys get your podcasts, we're there. So make sure you guys check us out weekly. And we appreciate you guys checking us out. That's for sure, guys. Uh, we'll speak to you next week. Peace. Peace.